0: I don't think we can disregard the power of of the web to just be telegraphic and newspaper. You know, maybe there's no such thing as a perfect experience, right? Everything is how you feel at the time. Like sometimes I feel like watching a three-hour movie. Sometimes I feel like watching a, a five-minute short. Um, and the web doesn't know. It's interactive. You have multimedia. You have editorial. You have. A, all the ingredients to make a great experience. But uh, maybe the, what it fails to, to understand is your context, right? Like, mm-hmm. somebody goes like, oh, I want to see this calendar app. Oh my God, now I have to scroll through all these like, animations, right? Or you could be, oh, I want to see this calendar app. Whoa, look at this. I totally get the product now. This is what they're trying to do. And this website just communicated it perfectly.
1: Hey, what's going on, everyone? I'm Britton Stepedek, and this is Low Key Legends, the show where I sit down with creative legends to fish out nuggets of wisdom that you can take away on your creative journey. Today, I'm joined across the screen by Claudio Guglieri, the designer, creative director, and speaker. He is currently head of design at Opal Cameras, but in the past, he's worked with Fantasy, Be Real, Elephant, Huge. Without further ado, Claudio, welcome to the show. Thank you so
0: much. It's <laughs> uh, it's. <laughs> It's great to be able to to talk to you. And uh, thank you for having me and just spending this time with me.
1: So I've chatted with, I mean, on and offline, dozens and dozens of designers, older, younger, creative professionals, and many of them I've mentioned that we're having this chat and they've only had amazing things to say about you. So it just goes to show that you've made such a beautiful creative impact on the industry. So a huge shout out to you and the work that you've done.
0: That's amazing. Yeah, that that feels good. Thank you so much. I, you know, I'm I'm overwhelmed by Mm. by that. Like, we're so lucky to have this job, you know? Like we get to sit down and, and do what we like and imagine things and try things out. Um, So it's always, it feels good when you feel appreciated, of course.
1: Yeah, and it really is a beautiful job. And I found that almost as a a through line with creatives that I've spoken with, is that they have an emphasis on the power of play and just this creative expression that we can take and put into our work. And I wanted to start almost in an unconventional place with just asking you about... what is the power of play and how do you think about play inside of your creative work on a day to day basis
0: the the way i i think about the job and probably many jobs are like this is it's not just unique to to design is that we are creating things right in the business of creating things um there's a lot that needs to be invented and then there's a lot of production work right nobody i think no i would say in one hand nobody enjoys talking about the production work but actually maybe in the past 10 years everybody's talking about the production work you know design systems etc cetera, etc cetera. um on the initial part of like inventing i guess that's what you're referring with the power of play um you know it's all about like let your mind wander and like to some extent put something together that doesn't ultimately like doesn't like there's a mix between in my mind let your mind wander and try to do things that maybe you haven't done before Mm -hmm. but then it comes through this filter of like is this compelling like is this even the execution of it is this is this good because i could make things that look like a five-year-old did it but but they still look like a five-year-old did it so how do you bring to that you know uh unfiltered raw creativity the the filter of experience and everything you've seen and package it in a way that I still feel fresh but but proper mm. i think that that's what i struggle sometimes myself like i i may come up with something but it doesn't pass the filter of is this professional looking so it it's attention i would say mm. um, where one is to go hand in hand by the other if you go too free on you know the free the the power of play you know you might get raw creative amazingness
1: that just looks horrible you know (laughs) i guess that's true in both directions if you go too playful it might look horrible and then if you go too professional it may just be boring and it doesn't have balance right it's 100 percent sometimes mm. if you go sometimes it's easy to go like all oh,
0: professional as you said but then and then you you know you take a step back and it's like well is this is this really the brand mm. it, like um, i work with um well i know you you talk to brian powell i share uh sometime working with him at finance interactive and we both work under uh anton Reponen. and Reponen, reponent he he always had this thing that I love is like, if you cover the logo in your comp, does it still feel like the brand? So let's pretend I make an app for Bank of America and I'm looking at my phone, I cover the Bank of America logo. Does that still feel like Bank of America? And if it doesn't, if you could change the logo for a different logo, then, then you haven't done the job, you know, mm-hmm. then it's just like one more template um so yeah it's a it's a balance it's hard i don't you know 20 years in i still don't get it (laughs) don't always get it hopefully i get it sometimes
1: doing this for 20 years i think it's a perfect opportunity to dive in and learn how you've been able to try and stay creative and executing at such a high level over the course of that period of time and i know you just said i don't know exactly how it works in the 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 breadth of creativity, but I think we can kind of explore and dive in together. So that's what I'd like to try and analyze over the course of our conversation. But let's do a radically hard pivot and talk about what was the first video game that changed your life? Oh, I love this. This is great. Um, okay. The first video game that
0: changed my life and it gave me such a rush that I felt like my heart was beating faster. The music, the the vibe, I still remember the smell of it. Uh it's called Final Fight. Final Fight is a Capcom game, um, you know, my comedy a few years before Street Fighter Two. And you know, you basically it's a. I think the genre is called Beat Em Up where you just go in the streets and like you go beating everybody up. And the sound and animation. I was in. A, it was the weekend. I was with my father in some sort of bar or restaurant, and the machine was in the background. And I approached it. Some people were playing. I heard the music. I heard the impact of the of the sound effects, and it just gave me a rush. I was like, oh my "God, what is this?" You know, this kind of thing. The feeling when you and then I play, of course. And when you finish playing and you're still kind of like shaky, you're like, "Whoa." Whoa, that was amazing! Well, what, what happened? That feeling—I mean, damn—if I—if I could create, you know, that uh, a portion of that feeling in anybody through my work, that would be amazing. That would be incredible.
1: Say, is that something that you still—that essence, that capturing of that raw emotion—is that something you still try to achieve with your work on a day-to-day basis, trying to make people feel?
0: That's the idea. I think. You know, just having this conversation is is weird because I wasn't expecting that question, but um, it's almost like a refresher. Like, I feel like every once in a while you need to, like, forget about, you know, the layers of complexity and, like, the to-dos and be like, why? Why? Why am I doing this? What's the feeling I'm chasing, right? Um, There's this talk by, um, who's this guy? Chris Milk, the the director. Um, He he did a few a few projects like the johnny cash project and whatnot he has a a ted talk um which is one of my favorite talks my whole in the whole world where he talks about vr the power of vr and he compares the power of vr to the same feeling he got when he listened to music to the beatles on on headphones Mm -hmm. for the first time and like how he was like as a kid you see a photo he's like ah and he said like i'm just trying to i'm chasing that feeling i'm chasing the power to create that feeling in other people and VR might be the thing. I don't know, um, but yeah, that would be that would be great. I think when I when I take all the complexity and like, what is the message? What is the brand? What are we trying to sell? Yeah, that's the idea. Mm. That truly is the idea. Uh, Britton, I wanted to ask you. What about you? What's the?
1: Do you have any game that you can go back to? It's has to be Final Fantasy VII. That game and the storytelling is so impactful, and I thought it was so well done. So from the perspective of, of the, the team building, of trying to get your characters to beat the final boss and kill Sethroth, but also just like the cinematic experiences, the act of like, the fact that the CD pack was four or five discs and you had to constantly change it out when you got to the next stage of the game. I thought that was really exciting too, because it's like, oh, I wanna make sure that I get through this game, but it's huge. At the time, it was huge unlike games today where you can, you know, play for like 200 hours on like Skyrim or something that people are doing. But Mm -hmm. the fact that it was all those discs made it seem like like this task in itself that you had to accomplish. So I think from the cinematic aspect of, of the design to the storytelling, to the sound design, to the music, everything just became something that really sticks in my memory. And I remember just like, mainly I was watching my brother play it, but like sitting around for hours, watching your older brother play a video game and being hooked the whole time and getting to play a little bit on your own, especially in adulthood now. Um, I, I just find it like a magical experience.
0: Yeah, the, the couch experience in video games, like, is it fun to play one and then is it fun to watch? Mm. That is so That is so important. I, I don't remember Final Fantasy. Um, I don't know if this is something you remember to me, I was I remember this memory, I have this memory of like trying to cross this bridge. And I crossed this bridge a hundred times. And sometimes you will get no battles, and sometimes you will get interrupted like 20 times. And I was really just trying to cross I was in a rush, like, come on, let's just wanna get there. And I got stopped like five times in this bridge <laughs> with that random battle. I'm Like, oh my God, this game is killing me. Um, that's the one aspect that I I I didn't enjoy that I It wasn't even established. It was just purely Mm -hmm. random. And you just had to go through it, you know?
1: I think the grinding in, in like, RPGs is maybe maybe a pretty maddening experience Mm -hmm. when you can't, like, choose to interact with battles. Maybe that's why game designers figured that out, how utterly obnoxious it is. And now you can kind of, like, run into encounters, I guess, in games.
0: Right, 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 right. Yeah, man, different times. Great, great character design. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was, uh, that was I would say, of all the Final Fantasy, does the one. Mm-hmm. And uh, the movies were great. Yeah, awesome.
1: Yeah, I, I guess it kind of connecting full circle, I think, like, mm-hmm. that touches to what we were talking about with, like, the power of play. Tapping mm-hmm. into, like, emotion for emotion's sake to connect to people. I think that's really what we're trying to do with branding, with digital experiences. And I guess my first moment with like falling in love with like a digital experience was probably going on to awards and like seeing the culmination of sound design with motion, with interactivity and how all of these things could create a world opposed to just like a piece of, I guess, like marketing, it became so much more than that. And I think that as time goes on, I am more receptive to those type of experiences and Mm -hmm. trying to create things that are more like that type of experience than just trying to create uh, a landing page for x company that achieves one goal how can i put an emotional spin on that in order to capture some sort of emotion
0: Mm. that's uh so i don't know if if you've been following the debate online (sighs) who's this guy um well he's actually somehow famous in the community uh designer, Brian, Brian Lovin. Hmm. Uh, he he was mentioning um, on the release of this calendar app called Amy, right? He's like, his point was like, I don't know why these landing pages are like so convoluted and they have like so many things and I would rather have a simple, you know, get the point across kind of, kind of page. And I was thinking about that. It's like, well, yeah, it really depends. I don't think we can disregard the power of of the web to just be telegraphic and newspaper you know mm-hmm. like maybe the the perfect experience doesn't maybe there's no such thing as a perfect experience right everything is how you feel all the time like, sometimes, mm-hmm. I like sometimes i feel like watching a three-hour movie sometimes i feel like watching a five minute short um and the web doesn't know mm-hmm. but um yeah it's as you said it's interactive you have multimedia you have editorial you have a, all the ingredients to make a great experience, but uh, maybe what it falls to, what it fails to to understand, is your context, right? Like, mm-hmm. somebody goes like, "Oh, I want to see this calendar app." Oh my god, now I have to scroll through all these like animations, right? Or you could be, "Oh, I want to see this calendar app." Whoa, look at this! I totally get the product now. This is what they're trying to do, and this website just communicated it perfectly. Um, I don't know i don't know the answer but i i feel like this you always have to make an assumption right like what kind of experience do i, do I think is right for this product um maybe we should ask it's like you want to watch a video you want to read this short email or do you want to get into a, a whole story you know <laughs>
1: that's so funny that's probably maybe that's the future is like what mood are you in we can give you information in any form yeah Um, what what kind of internet do you want to experience are you in for the story or just you know give me
0: three value props and a download link you know
1: that's so true and I guess like one one is kind of determined by the studio the agency the internal team Mm. and also kind of the founder as well So, I mean, a founder or a marketing team will come to an agency or a freelancer insert group here Mm. and you're kind of working in tandem as a culmination, as a partnership to create something that you believe is the best product experience brand for the audience. So, I mean, it, it may be even determined by the audience if the audience is all like get shit done, people who are trying to optimize time, maybe the site experience should be like a simple landing page with kind of like a more editorial or content-driven style. And then if it's for a different audience or a different founder, they may want to kind of communicate in a different way. I think that's where like these things can kind of cross into different paths. I think like there's no right or wrong answer. It really is It's like, what do you think is cool? And then also what do you think is effective? And is there a balance between the two? Yeah.
0: I I'm in the process, arduous process of um, redoing my portfolio now. Mm. And which is I think everybody can relate to. And uh and I'm I'm going through that mental journey. Well, first of all, like I haven't updated my portfolio in like a year. And like I did it in ReadyMag, which is a great platform. I've been using it for like seven years, but now I was like, I just wanted to try new things. So it's almost an excuse for me to also learn more framer. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, like the, the mental journey I go through every night when I go into, into it, I'm like, what am I doing here? Who is this for? Is this for me? Uh, Is this for people to, you know, to like see the work and enjoy it? Or is it for recruiters? Am I looking for a job? Is that why am I doing it? You know, it's not the case, but, uh, I'm landing in in like, I think it's just for me. Mm. And you know, if you happen to come to this website and you and I have some sort of like connection and you can see that, then you might enjoy it. But if, if you come to this website waiting for, you know, download resume and please hire me, Uh, which again is not the case, they were not gonna connect.
1: I am a big fan of using your portfolio for whatever the hell you want. Whatever your goal is, that's probably like another project in that you can kind of like slide into your, uh, I guess like portfolio archive as Mm -hmm. well, just to use it as whatever tool you want. And- You could put your portfolio
0: in your portfolio.
1: Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, I did that, check. (laughs) Done. But I think, I think we have to dive in a little bit and get a more full picture of you, Claudio. So early life, you grew up in Spain. Mm -hmm. What was opportunities like as a young designer in Spain? Where did you grow up and how did your environment shape your perspective on design?
0: All right. So, yeah, I, you know, I, I was born and raised in Spain. I, I had my first like three jobs in in Spain. I I guess you know kind of like a little bit corny to to talk about when I was a kid, but um, you know as a kid um, the internet wasn't there yet. So like I'm I'm lucky to to be part of this generation of change. Um, there was no endless streaming services. There was no endless video games or uh, entertaining. So there's a lot of moments of uh, in between and i think it's during, you know born in the 80s, whatever like those in between moments are the moments that define you the most because you have you have to choose what to do um while you're waiting for something to happen or you're just there you know summers long summers doing nothing um and that is you know that that ability to get bored it's almost like what i don't have now as an adult right like the ability to like think about stuff and like you know wonder mentally um so the in between moments define a little bit like what ended up being my job and that is you know started comics you know drawing a lot copying anime that i like um drawing my own things um eventually you know getting to know like some basic tools of like typography on a really old computer and printing it out and be like whoa this can be a thing in the wall. I just made this and people can see it, you know? Then uh, computers came and, you know, started like uh, all these like um, piracy CDs full of games. So you're like, oh, I'm gonna make a cover for this CD. Uh, You get this game from a friend. Oh, I'm gonna make a thing for this. Then you start like almost like customizing your experience. Mm -hmm. Um, And I guess, you know, from there, like, Uh, Things turn into video game as well. Like the web kind of like appear and mature a little bit, flash came up and you're like, wait, I can actually create things and interactions that go beyond a blue link. And kind of like something, you know, sparked my my brain. And I thought this could be a thing, but I never, you know, kids don't think, oh, this is going to be my job. You just do it and you know i did a bunch of websites for friends um i had this friend who had a heavy metal band um so you know did the whole photo shoot did the website did the logo did the cd cover um and some of them are still using those photos i'm like guys it's been a while we we should make another photo shoot um so yeah like that you know to be able to shape the whole package you you have a lot of respect for for Establish, let's say, music bands, but then, so you know, back then you're like, how could I try to to fake this magic around this band, Metallica? How do I fake the logo? How do I fake? How do I create? Like, I have the power, and this is kind of like it was, uh, it was a little bit like a revelation to me. By creating five signals that feel right, I have the power to made this band of four friends feel like a much better band than they are and much bigger right so like why why could they not have a logo like the metallica logo why do we have to take a photo that is boring let's take a photo that is a bit more weird or like let's let's you know increase the production value and suddenly they're from the south of spain they're not great but damn that's a that's a pretty cool fucking cover <laughs> and that, you know maybe they're they're looking bigger than they are isn't that the goal of design at the end of the day like we just you know someone can make a living making i don't know SD cards but like if you build the right universe around it suddenly it's like oh my god i need one of this um, anyway uh yeah so spain uh i if you're familiar with the geography in spain so i was born in the south in a city called granada Mm-hmm. Um, half my family lives in that city, half lives in this other city called Malaga. So southern, southern, as much south as you can get, great weather, you know, the the city is like pretty close to the beach, it's a beach city. So amazing childhood, I can't complain, I, I love it there. Um, eventually, you know, I this wasn't before any economic crisis, by the way, Europe and Spain, there has always been a crisis. There's always like a lot of like, you know, jobless and oh my god the crisis there's always for my whole life there's always something going on um in society and economic context and all that um but anyway it it got to a point where for no reason really i decided to get better at like speaking a different language and you know Mm -hmm. think of moving to to the uk um i i finished college in spain i started a phd i started working on a small studio called pixel in life um which you know the the people that hire me. One of them is a really good friend to this day, David Navarro. He works at Roblox. Um, mm. So they, he and and that studio is what, for the first time, put a little bit of uh, global context in my mind. You know, I learn about the FWA. I learn about you know all this deviant art and like all this like universe of uh, really talented companies that were starting to be. Again. Um, so work with them for almost three years and eventually I just realized that, you know, I, I've been in the UK for three months before, but I realized that I wanted to try to live in the UK. Mm -hmm. I just felt like I'm young, you know, there's nothing to lose. If I fail, I can always go back. Like I'm lucky I could go back with my family, even though they wouldn't enjoy it. Um, so I did, you know, I moved to the UK. I had no job. I moved to this... Um, I rented a room in a, in a family's house and for a month I worked on my portfolio and paper vision, this thing, the move, it was, it was great. Um, and then I started looking for a job and I don't know, I got a job and then I changed jobs and eventually the opportunity to come to the U S You know, like, um, came up and even though I never really like thought too much about it, but, um, this is 2010, I moved to New York and the rest of history. Hey. Yeah, sorry right, what was the question again
1: I, I think that. we got it I think we yeah. we talked about kind of just growing up in Spain and kind of you you kind of foresaw the future and kind of landing in America and and we yeah. can go through the rest of those opportunities but you just had the inkling to get out of Spain and kind of progress your career in that fashion
0: yeah that that's exactly like it's it's funny how I just saw it There was no, you know, I I remember telling my, my parents and they were like, are you sure? They were like, Whoa, like we never push you or, you know, ask you to do any of this. But I was like, yeah, it's going to be great. I knew it was going to be great.
1: It's a, it's a weird thing. Yeah. Creative optimism. I think it's a superpower in itself. And I think like, it sounds like you had it based on like just going full circle back to your friend's band, understanding the power of design, to leverage your creative execution in order to level them up in order to seem like a higher class tier of band when they might have just been hanging out in uh Malaga or wherever they were playing playing shows at the time right i mean do you do you what do you think like to me there's you know in
0: if we're lucky as designers right you start like with clients that send you a logo and it's like a word Doc, and you're like oh, I ask you for the logo and now you have this word dog and I'm like oh my god and you're like I know what the job is mm. the job is to make you legit to mm-hmm. make you look and feel legit mm-hmm. and eventually you can download their logo because they're like well-known companies but um the job is still that one how do I use the power of design to give you five seven signals that make people feel like oh they're so friendly or they're this seems like a great service.
1: That that's definitely always the job, and I feel like at Rogue we still get clients that are either startups or companies that just need to radically transform their image. So I'm always thinking about that. I I often like will just like completely ignore uh, a client's logo, or or just like subtly or not so subtly tell them like no, this needs to change. You don't even need this logo. Just let let us just. Right transform your digital kind of brand and then we can just backtrack to like whatever that iconography or symbol is, but you just need to show up online and look professional and translate some series of emotions to your customers. So they get it. (laughs) And I, I, to your point,
0: like when, when it's a young company, like I think, you know, we all have baggage, right? Like you have emotional baggage, you have relationship baggage, you have like, Family or whatever, but our brands have baggage too. And a young brand, like, listen, if you're working with Apple, please don't dis- disregard the history of Nike. Like, of course, you know, like, we're not gonna start from scratch here. But when it's a young brand, sometimes you have to be like, well, let's 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 not get bogged down by this by this short baggage that you have if that's stopping you from achieving more.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's summarize your agency slash career trajectory up until now uh you we had mentioned in your bio kind of going through fantasy and be real and all of these different agencies but Mm -hmm. what was that experience like going through those really big name digital agencies and i think Mm -hmm. more importantly what are the core lessons that you took away and what did you learn from your experience there
0: fantasy interactive has like a great place in my heart. They they took a chance on me and that changed my life, you know, like they, there was no, there was no reason um, they couldn't find someone, you know, more talented or, or whatever, but like they saw potential and they went for it. And my life, I will be in a different place right now, not in a bad place, probably I'll be happy somewhere else, but uh, mm-hmm. hopefully, but uh, it, it definitely, you know, if if this life was like a one road suddenly this branch got created and like you know I met my wife in New York like it just suddenly shaped what it is today. So I I went in, I was I was and I am a fanboy. Like I love their work. Mm-hmm. So I, I do remember you know coming through the door and like seeing the photos and they had this like really cool like old school frames a little bit like the one you have behind you, but like much bigger. And they had um, some of the UI that they, they made for uh, Time Warner back then or for like frame in this golden old school frame on top of this exposed brick. And I remember looking at it thinking, fuck, yeah, like this is it. This is I finally came to the place where they care about those details so much that they put it in the wall like that. I felt like I'm home mm. in a weird way. I felt like I care about it and I never met anyone that care as much as I do but now I am I am here. So great. I mean, you know, I, I could cry right now. Like Anton, uh David Martin, like everybody that went through that journey with me like I I have nothing but you know, like just being really thankful to them. Um what did I learn? Man, I learned that you know, there's no magic sauce. Like, I
1: that's well hard. I was gonna ask you what your secret sauce was so that I could be a better designer, but <laughs> no, like well, you know, I years before I was like
0: copying their, their icons and being like, look at the detail, you know, like I was like micro-analyzing iconography, glowy parts of the buttons. And when I joined, I was like, Oh shit, now it's on me. Like I I've been I've been a fan, now it's up to me to like make sure this this goes forward and like that signature is still there but also is my signature now so i i do remember feeling a little bit like i guess i'm gonna you know fake it a little bit until you make sense of like i'm gonna continue doing what i'm doing but um you know the critique that i'm getting now i'm like uh, you know i went from like a place where i might be i maybe i was like really good to a place where everybody was really good and now I had to level up. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know just humbleness and like that that responsibility and like honestly just doing my best and sometimes also just tapping into your inner child right and that's what got you there. So tons of conversations with 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 Anton were like, you know what is like you're looking at a project and you know already the layers of of course that has to be there, of course that has to be there. But what is the one thing? that is like unnecessary but kind of like you know the signature mm-hmm. and i i found that at uh, finance interactive i had fi i had to like find that thing and i was like encouraged to find the thing and when we found it together it was like you know you see all these designers gathering around like whoa that's <laughs> cool. you know and, and i'll tell you just to to bring this down i'll tell you an example really really stupid like a simple arrow right so you think of an arrow like oh two diagonal sticks everybody just does that one arrow at a five we used to do this arrow that had like um I'm going to draw in this screen. so you had this this so you had the the middle point slightly off to the right so it made it feel dif- it made it feel like this is a completely unnecessary craft detail that if you spend time doing this That means if you put the amount of care in these small details, you could almost like, you know, assume the rest of the experience is gonna be fucking amazing. Mm. So it sometimes it came down to stupid details like that, but sometimes it was like a nice interaction or like, you know, Anton, I remember did this kind of like book uh, interaction and animation and CSS for a Google project. And when that page flipped, you know, we were all like, oh my God. look at the reflection
1: how did this this is amazing you know like you just it's just pure joy because you found the thing um well I mean like I think that's a really key thing I mean sweating the small stuff making sure that the small details are as important as the big details just shows that you care there's a craft involved that the attention to detail and the love that's translated through that process. If you love the work that you're doing this much that you put that time in, it's absolutely going to show to someone else on the other side of the screen or the physical book or whatever the product, digital product brand is. It's just going to resonate that much more.
0: Right, 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 right. So so probably that, that was the lesson there. I think, you know, my journey at FI went from, from that New York moment to like working with a bunch of different talented people that I really admire. And finally, you know, having like enough way to attract that talent, right? So like working with Brian Powell, like I, I love his work way before I I met him but, and being able to now be in the same location and like, you know, just just exchanging ideas or whatever. That's just like incredible. Um, all right, so that was it. Then I, I did a couple of years that, no, yeah, a couple of years, maybe I'll be real. Be Real is also some of the Swedish company. Um, I worked with them briefly for a freelance project in New York, and then I joined them. Um, and you know, this is a time where, to me, I felt like I felt like the journey at a file I was kind of like getting to to a loopy place, like a bit repetitive. And mm. I felt like I don't know. I I I worked in Sweden for a couple of months and. In New York like I nothing nothing wrong with the company itself it just felt like I reached a point where I somehow stopped learning in, in some yeah. ways so be real in comparison um, had a much more advertising approach to projects so it wasn't so much about like the craft of the UI even though you know individually they had that quality of course um, but it was more like the integration between interactive film and you um, they had another branch that I'm forgetting on content. Um so that felt pretty good. You know, it felt a little bit like definitely faster paced, um mm. less, less kind of like iconic project, but at the same time learning more like how to work with a shooting, you know, a production crew and a director and going in location and like even having to do UI for film. That that all started at, at be real. And that kind of project we didn't have it at FI. So as much as individually, again, people would love to have had that project, companies didn't go to a five for those projects. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it was you know it was a slightly different beast, but I I learned that you could apply all that care for the craft in in subtly a different context. And you know sometimes it's not so much about the button; it's more about like what is the overarching concept of this video of this like action, and then UI comes and complements it, but it's still it's not the hero. So mm-hmm. I think. Maturity-wise, like I went through a journey where I care about that one thing a lot. And then I grew into other areas of the industry by just by going to be real. Um, So that probably was the thing there. Great people, I had a lot of, it was was kind of fun that I had there. Um, It was a much bigger company. They had different offices. They always have like, you always, you have this cast of directors. So like the flavor of each of them was different working with them was different you know getting into a into a shoot with a hundred people and you're like you're raising your hand i'm sorry we need to we need to take that shot again because i didn't see that quite right and everybody's like okay well reset you know suddenly mm-hmm. you're like yeah that's the job i feel bad about this um but yeah that was that was be real then you know i came back to fi but i came back to a fight um to to san francisco mm. um, And my role there was kind of like more like head in the office uh, in terms of design. I had a peer, Simone, and then he left uh, shortly after. And to me, that was, you know, if I learn about the craft, I learn about um, like the production value and like film and things that I didn't have access to before. When I came back to FI, like the whole industry has shifted a little bit towards product. And at that point, agencies were more like know we don't know we make we don't only do chrome experiments now we do mobile apps and Mm. and like portals or whatever and i feel like if i was really well positioned especially in san francisco to to be that company um so suddenly the challenge was different it wasn't like i'm crafting this button for this website it was or you know i'm crafting this website like down to the detail it was more like all right, let's let's take a step back. Let's think more in the context of products and how can we help Adobe improve their, I don't know, their onboarding experience to Photoshop. Like that was not FI three years before. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, did a did a few years there and again met a bunch of talented people. Um I guess you know, my learnings there was New York is really different from San Francisco in terms of the clientele that you get. Um, so where New York is, a bit been more like one, two, three in my experience. like Yeah, we're going to do this. And, blah, 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 and this is the thing. It's like East Coast kind of like attitude, straightforward. Uh, <laughs> San Francisco came with the nuances of, um, you know, hmm, we should look at this again. And you're like, yeah, but what do you mean by that? Um, <laughs> you know, like I, I have meetings when I first, I think it was Google or somebody. And the feedback they were giving me was like, I don't get it. I'm like, I understand the words, but I still don't know what you're asking me to do. Why Why is this so nuanced? <laughs> like coming from a context where it's like, yes or no, you know? Yeah. Um, do, you, do you find that yourself, like for your clients?
1: Our clients are kind of like all over the place. So um, New York clients are definitely more straightforward. I think the kind of tech clients that we have in california are either sort of like they're very like we know what kind of things we need like we need to hit these goals so like they're either kind of like very straightforward and like goal driven or they're more of like focused on the feeling and we definitely are more leaning towards that i know that there's tangible goals that we need to hit but i really want to make people feel something and like have an experience and maybe slow down. So it tends to be that I like those people, but I like the New York people where they're just like, let's make this shit happen let's do it. And I want it to be dope. Like we get a lot of those type of people that let's be dope.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I I have this, uh I'm not gonna say the name, but um I worked with this founder like years ago and, and a couple of years ago as well again, where it, it we have like a, a, a mutual respect in our relationship and it comes with like really little hand holding mm. to a point where I'm the one finishing the project, because if it was up to the other party, the project will never finish. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm just like, Hey, I'm just, you know, I thought it would be cool to, to try this out. And I'm working on this like onboarding thing and oh yeah, that's cool. Yeah. That's great. And I'm like, sure so okay so that, and then the next week i thought about this and eventually i'm like well i guess i'll send you an invoice and if there's something <laughs> else just let me know but I, I always feel like i could just keep working on this thing forever it's not telling me anything
1: so those funny. are the weirdest experiences i mean they're good but they're also like are we done dear? Yeah, are you happy <laughs> like it isn't that funny too like We want people to
0: be happy. Like, are you satisfied? If you're satisfied, it's going to make me happy. Um, But eventually, you know, you cannot overthink it too much. Right. So you're like, I I think you're happy. So let's just like you just you want to tap into your state of play instead of in the state of like um, anxiety and like results driven. But of course, if you're running your own show like you are, you know, you probably need some deadlines. <laughs> right? yeah
1: having the tangible deadlines, well, where i've I've come into this where like yeah. things will slowly start to creep, and then they'll right? slowly creep a little bit more. And then all of a sudden, it's like, oh, it's now like difficult to take new projects because of the fact that this is creeped out. So like yeah. it's actually, like a business like effect in the pipeline as a result of not keeping on track of timelines and even if you want like the best results you have to kind of keep things moving you have to keep momentum and you have to be there to guide the client every step of the way like they're mm-hmm. getting you things on time affects you which has a chain reaction to the designers and the d- development team anyone involved so like there there's a very clear business value to being timely but also you have to leave enough time for like the experimentation and the play and getting things right and getting things crafted. But I guess it's just like working within those parameters. So you're doing the best with what you have in the time that you have, but also, I guess, like the resources available to you as well.
0: I think that that might be one of those deterrents from agencies. I do feel like having been part of one and many and seeing the process like unfold and you know the PMs come and look at the like the, the spreadsheet with all the times and all that, like there's an, an aggressiveness that, you know, when I I heard this about the SEAL team, like the, the, the SEAL like Marines or whatnot, they, they always like training really hard conditions because when you are in a state of fear, you always resolve back to your basic training. Mm-hmm. I do feel like agencies when, you know, all this, this time kind of like, constraints come into play you always default back to like okay what is the package you know what, what do we know how to do we're going to give them this comes this comes and, and and then that's it and as if you're on the other side it does feel like you've been served something that might not be too useful mm. if if you only end up with a deck and like all the research is there and there's the vision and or there's like a half-baked design or no i implement it because you didn't engage with developers, but like what did I get from this relationship? And sometimes I feel like that 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 plays against agencies in a weird way
1: yeah. that's a very interesting point because I mean I, I guess that would be you've been on both the agency side and the in-house side. you've worked with many many creatives uh over the course of your career mm-hmm. and I mean, I guess that's the point in which I was trying to make where like the stretching the timeline out can lead to negative impacts. But it also it's a service industry first where we're serving the client, the needs of the client and their audience need to come first. So if extending the project out so that we either get the best work done or to accommodate the client's needs or their schedule or just being empathetic. And not trying to churn something out and treating them as just a check i think is very essential because ultimately i became a designer started a business to create the best work possible and also personal fulfillment and joy and i don't like having those tough conversations with 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 clients like hey you need to do this now otherwise this will happen it's like at the end of the day i can probably take a deep breath and nothing will bad will happen and it'll all be fine and if it gives you a little bit more time it'll be all right
0: what's your let let me flip this around like what do you think has changed this past year in terms of you know your relationship with clients with you know this whole like shrinking of the industry and all that and to give context to my question, I think mm-hmm. in my experience and my conversations with other people in-house, I feel like you start questioning like the usefulness of uh, like, what is the best way to engage with an agency, right? Mm-hmm. And what are you going to get from it? And if that's something you're going to do a lot, maybe it makes sense to like delete all the layers of uh, bureaucracy in between and just hire the designer,
1: you know? Oh, I like that. It's interesting. (laughs) I'm going to dive in on your side too, but I want to answer your question. This was a very slow year for a lot of people, including rogue and full transparency. The agency made less money in 2023 than it did in 2022. And that's something that I'm, I mean, like it feels bad when you set goals and you don't hit goals, but like overall, I think it's a beautiful learning experience and there's certain conditions that you can control and there's certain conditions that you can't control. It showed me that like diversification of income is very important. And I have to think about, I always tried to keep my burn rate really, really low, but you definitely need to keep your burn rate as low as possible. And there's really not a need for frivolity. And how do you think about opportunities in ways of collaboration opposed to just the financial dollar? So how can everyone get what they want, but you can negotiate or figure out pricing or add-ons that would get you to like where you need to be for a project, but it may include different things than just like money itself. It could be publicity or equity or any sort of deal structure. Yes. I think I learned a lot from that experience. I think the course of it being slow, what I found is that people were less driven to spend money. They were thinking about how they were using their money. Same way I was thinking about using my money and what I was going to get from my dollar amount. And I think that we tend to work with companies that are very much focused on transformation. So what Mm -hmm. is that transformation actually? It's like, oh, we're a new company and we have no image that's literally starting from the ground up, but we're working with companies that need to transform and hit a certain idea or brand or feeling or perception. We also do a lot of that. So they understand what they're getting and, and I always try to treat it as a true partnership and in the sense of like working directly as an extension of their team. And I think like what you had said, why not just hire the designer, in-house or or just like personally, and then they're literally on the team, I think that's a very valid way to go. And I feel like there is even like a way that you could position a company as like, we join your team for X amount of time. You're basically kind of like buying us outright for an X amount of time. And that's mm-hmm. almost like, like a business model that you could approach if you're, I guess like clever enough or crafty enough or your lawyer is good enough. <laughs>
0: I, I've seen that, to to your point now, like I've seen recently, or oh, in the past half year, I would say, I've seen a lot of like repackaging of services. So even yesterday I saw uh, this this company, I don't know much about them, but I know they were really big on Tribble years ago, at least uh, they call it Elegant Seagulls.
2: Mm-hmm. And
0: they put this website out and they call it Get Sauce. Um, and basically it's like a one pager where they describe honestly, like a really basic project of envisioning, right? Like set up a North Star and like get some, get some comps and explorations around it. But I I, scanned it quickly, but I, I was like, here's another example of repackaging the old, you know, and you take the old North Star project, you repackage it, you call it the sauce, you give it a fixed price, you give it a structure, and that suddenly can make it more attractive to people. Mm-hmm. Like the whole like subscription agencies, too, right? Like, what is a subscription agency? It's a, it's a freaking retainer. It existed for like 50 years. But yeah. let's can I take the psychological load of a retainer if I say, hey, pay 20k a month for unlimited revisions. And I think it does for a lot of people, right? Like I think it yeah. it mentally for a lot of people are like, oh shit, I can just pay 5k a month. And I get a limited thing, so I don't need to worry about the SOW, the the blah blah, the the round one or the round two. No, just 5k every week. And yeah, it's it's getting crafty. What you said, like we're just getting fucking crafty, but like it's the same concepts.
1: Really took away that like you can structure your business model however the hell you want. You can design it, you can get clever and crafty around it. And I don't know if I got too crafty because I'm still just pricing work specifically for the client's job. But I may just kind of like think about the structure or like the pieces differently to accommodate their specific needs. Mm-hmm. And I mean, like there, there's so many agencies doing the retainer, but like a subscription model and maybe subscription is the future. But there is something nice about like, I'm paying this much for it and I know it's exactly that price. And Mm. you're going to do this for me and we're going to work together and it's going to be great. (laughs) I like there's something about that too that I think appeals to like a certain group of people. uh, You never know how long something's going to take. Right. Like, are you that's a really good
0: point. Like, by going into the subscription thing, I'm not going to slip yet one month into this. And maybe that's not what I was hoping for. I mean, you know, there's a lot of like debate around that. Like if you abuse it, it becomes a scam because it's not scalable. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a few people apparently have done it. I never used those services, but um, yeah, it's just different ways to repackage the thing. But I think they all they all answer to where we are right now in the industry. And that is, uh, as you said, like people are spending less. So we're just designers are getting a bunch of like design courses out. Everybody's a teacher. Um, agencies are going into crazy ways to market themselves it's, it's a crazy time
1: it is a crazy time and I'm curious your thoughts on on that and maybe we have to go back a little bit to your answer of if you're seeing from the perspective as head of design at opal cameras and you need to hire are you specifically reaching out to designers? Do you work with agencies? Or do you like the freelancer kind of like young guns or or maybe it doesn't need to be young, but just like the hotshot freelancers and you just need extra hands on deck to accomplish something. What has been your approach and how do you think about hiring people? Because I'm sure there's a lot of freelancers out there that kind of want to know the perspective of hiring yeah. managers or heads of design and sure. things that you can take away.
0: So I think as a a caveat, I would say, you know, you can be, I think head of design is a title that has become like um, a bit of a catch-all. So if you are head of design at, uh, I don't know, Herman Miller or, you know, or like established company for the last hundred years and that's the title. Maybe your your org is like 300 people, I don't know. Um, You could be head of design at a startup or you could be head of design of a specific department in a bigger company so it's really confusing so maybe i'll i'll forget about the title for a second and just talk mm-hmm. about opal Oppo is is a startup and we are really small we're like i'm not too sure the number is like 15 to 20 people mm. 15 to 20 people working on hardware is extremely rare like that's what that's the number of people you have on uh like you know like this, we're talking about Amy the get the, the calendar app like I think they're about that amount of people and it's just software so hardware you have like electrical engineers you have you know uh, supply chain specialists, you have um industrial design um, and then add to that you have support you have that, you have um uh content and like social kind of like managing then you have design um And then you have overhead, you know, that you have like the founders kind of doing everything. So we are really the smallest articulation of hardware that you could have in the industry. Um, So that really, this is a bit of a long walk to say that the way I look for people and I hire for people is not so much right now about, it's a mix of building a team, but also responding to needs. Mm -hmm. So um, last year we hired Google. Um, Ugo Alberg, he's he's a Swedish photographer, designer, 3D designer, and he his background is same as as mine and as yours probably like doing websites. He graduated to product design and eventually he graduated to photography and 3D and realized that he didn't enjoy all the you know all the 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 taxing aspects of design mm-hmm. so much. And when it comes to photography, he truly loves it. Mm. Um, so when I was looking for someone, I, you know, I was talking to people that are really talented product designers. They're really talented uh, icon designers. And in my head, I'm like, well, I've done product, I've done marketing, I don't have enough product work to just hire someone that can do this one thing. I don't have enough marketing work to just hire somebody that is just gonna do that. Um, so I was intentionally looking for a hybrid and and Ugo with 3D and photography, that is a lot of the work that we do. And you know, that extends to 3D in product, 3D in marketing and photography, product marketing and, and content. Um so I was really looking for like a, the unicorn that would complement me, right? Like I do a little bit of 3D, but I'm not I just don't have the time on my day to day to like, you know, put him on enough, enough hours to like be mm-hmm. great at it. And and he does, so we, we made the time for him to do that. So, and then photography, the same thing, like I could take some decent photos, but I just don't have the time to take photos and on top design this thing of that thing, right? Um, for sure. So full-time has been about complementing my own skills and like seeing supporting other branches. And when it comes to freelance, uh, it really is uh, an answer to needs. So I work with uh, Aristide, freelance developer, on the first website, now we work with Luciano Ingamana. On the second website, so I'm just you know working with people that will complement kind of like what we do in house. Uh, we work with Holographic. This is like a year ago, yeah. uh, design studio in Croatia. Uh, we work in motion pieces for the app mm-hmm. um, and some of the identity that was fantastic. We work with um, ID-C, which is a, a Swedish collective. Um, I'll send you the link later if you want. Yeah, uh, but uh, Nicholas, he's he worked on the brand originally, so the brand is something he did way before I came to Oppo, and he's he's amazing. So every time we need any kind of a extension of the brand, it's like an easy person to go and say, well, "This is your child." You know, yeah. how will your child come to life in this other context? Um, so yeah, we we work with a bunch of people, but it, it truly is really surgical it's like Mm -hmm. we have this need this is what i go for uh like you know abilities that i have like i might not be the best web designer in the world but uh i can i can pull a few punches so like i don't necessarily maybe i look for someone to compliment me like motion hey help me envision this thing but i we're not at a size where i can totally write myself off a project and be like ah just you do it (laughs) Show me next week. Um, (laughs) Not yet, not yet.
1: Well, I think the interesting thing inside of there is so, like, you're working with all these teams, you have these specific needs, and looking through the Opal lens is kind of like working on your product and marketing needs specifically. You've accomplished many different projects with many different folks, very targeted and strategic. You've worked in agencies and in-house how have you kind of refined your toolkit and your kind of personal ideology and thinking to be able to tackle any and all creative challenges that kind of come into your universe
0: hmm. well before sorry i should say um another person we work with i don't want him to get mad at me it's a uh, crying um I don't I don't know how to pronounce his last name, but uh he's actually a really good designer. He worked at Framer and he helped us with the very first like initial concepts and uh for the composer app. Um sorry, crying, you're great. Um okay, so back to your question, how do I uh like I guess frame a project depending on on the nature of the project? Um I think it, it really comes down a little bit to like just understanding right like there's some projects where you can like fire up like Figma or Photoshop or whatever and like have a great comp and be like something like this and you know you go to a presentation and like yeah that would be great so I'll give you an example when I you know Oppo already had a website when I I came in so I redesigned it to be more like a an umbrella of websites where before it was just a one pager and we redid the C1 page. Uh, I didn't have to work on the content of the C1 page because it was already like established Mm. and you know, it had been refined by the founders for like countless sessions, right? So it was almost like the script was given to me and I was like, ah, fuck it, let's do something cool about it. What if the camera comes from the bottom and like, you know, goes on top of the copy and then it goes here and then you can move the light so it was really easy like it was truly just like i'm gonna come up with you know two three concepts per section that oh for the side that you know have this like bangers moments like Mm -hmm. no i don't know if who said this like jc or whatever like no no album can be full of bangers you don't you know you cannot make an album full of bangers it needs to be a journey so give me a moment then take me through a hill and prep me up for the next moment Anyway, all to say, that was a really easy project because I didn't have to, you know, worry about messaging or branding. It was all established. When we work on the latest website, um, I couldn't start in the same place. I couldn't start with like, with the school render, and it just moves here. And what do you guys think? You know, it was more like, what do we stand for? Mm. What is the placement for this for this product? How do we talk about it? Um, It's a fashion, it's a utility, Can we, how are we differentiating from, you know, Insta360, Logitech, anyway, all to say, like, uh, if the journey started in a different place, when it came to the app, uh, things that we're working right now, it's not always about, is the comp looking good, no, it's more like, okay, well, this is the, the, let's say the concept for this app, Um, this is what we believe in, this is the core, uh now this is maybe an idealistic state of the app and this is some basic like t-shirt sizing of how do we get there in a way that is you know we're not like stepping on our own fruit. so i guess the the journey of design doesn't always start with design right um so in my experience it just you know it comes down to that like we're planning a photo shoot now uh, where do i start like is am I or Hugo? Are we starting with like let's look at locations? Or are we thinking, well, what are we trying to do? Are we, mm. I don't know, are we like you know Bauhaus like video from the '60s, slightly weird uh, utilitarian like the the workers, the blue collar workers of art, or are we dystopian ex machina futuristic? Like you know, you try to find your yeah. place, and then you go from there, right? I mean, you know all this. Um, so, yeah, it's just having, you have in your mind like this six or seven different projects and you're like, this smells like this one. So let's let's just start with that foundation and see where it goes, right?
1: The the piggybacking off of that, I think is like, I'm, it sounds like when you came into Opal, you had an opportunity to kind of reshape some of the vision of the company. So starting with that landing page for the C1, which I have to shout out is what I think we're both filming on right now thank you so much for the the camera i really appreciate it besides the product plug
0: <laughs> so um i'll show you my favorite feature it's um uh, it's called the loop and i could just do that for like hours <laughs> so or you know you could try to uh um i'm, I'm just messing with the app right now live so like if i press this loop and i'm i'm working on this big company we have this all hands 1200 people are connected to the all hand it's a 9 a.m new york so it's extremely early in the in the west coast i'm half asleep. i could just <laughs> set my thinking phase you know and uh that's me for the next hour
1: maybe i wouldn't move that much but uh you get the point oh yeah super <laughs> diligent thinker <laughs> really into the conversation but i guess there was a question in there before i got distracted sorry it, uh, the, the redefining and creating the vision of opal because you had said like it's not logitech it's not uh these other brands what is the way that you're thinking about positioning opal and why is it that it is so much. I'm just gonna say, "quote unquote," cooler than all of those other brands because I feel like there's a true brand at Opal, and that's specifically created and cultivated. So, how have you been able to refine and hone that positioning and vision?
0: So, you know, I, I would say it. It sounds great that that's how you feel and that's the perception. Uh, when you are inside, inside it, like it's sometimes hard to see the the forest, I guess. Um, you know everything that Opal is is because the two founders they have a solid vision so stefan brash they started this company from from nothing right they they identify a need and the need was like we're in the middle of the pandemic everybody's using their webcam and uh the webcams are really underserved um they have been really underserved as a market until at this point right mm-hmm. um, so they saw the opportunity and you know when looking at the logitechs and the other incumbents at that point specifically things have changed now. Um, But yeah, you know, you you could spend a lot of money on a webcam and it wasn't great. The the tech in the webcam, the, it it was, it was truly underserved because there was no demand for it. Uh, So I think what OPPO did really well is like it understood that moment in culture and like society. And like it came up with almost a need that we didn't know we have. Mm. Wait, I can have, I'm not a, i'm not a streamer i'm not gonna buy a thousand dollar fuji camera and like set it up and all that i'm not at that point i do appreciate the quality so what if i could get closer at a fraction of the price and that's that's i think what's honorable to Opal like they just it's high quality than any other of these big companies that you mentioned um sometimes a little bit more pricey so you could buy a you know logitech brio for like 140 bucks or this a slower a lower model for like 60 bucks i think um but it's not the same type of quality like the, the the camera doesn't work as well um so okay i'm going back to your question um so i guess that that's the foundation how is it different to me i hope that anyone considering opal can see that can see that this company is focused on this product and you're getting Basically, like nowadays tech and uh, the the software support that is needed for that to work great, um, that you don't get in these big orgs. Like um, you know, on the flip side, you could connect a a Logitech Brio to any computer. You could connect it to a rock, and it will work. Where the C1 works better with uh, with Mac because that's the the app that we have. The new camera works on both Mac and PC. Uh, But again, if you were to use it with the app, you know, you get certain things that you don't get on a PC. but it's all that it's like how do we how do we basically pump on the quality um without breaking the bank now the world has changed so like since then you know we're like two years or three years after the pandemic logitech has maybe caught up all the brands have caught up elgato and all these guys um so now it's a different reality and i cannot say more because (laughs) I will get into what the future of the company might be, but right. But, um, but yeah, like I think it, it was just that moment in history. Um, and the brand, you know, the, the way they, they briefed Nicholas uh, on the brand was like, we want a brand that could exist in the seventies. We want one of this like timeless, you know, German elevator kind of brand that is always there and was always there. Mm. Nicholas, his work in general, but like with Opal, like he, he nailed it. Like it's a, it's. It's a brand that could coexist with other timeless brands and and feel right. Like it doesn't feel like 90s or 2000s. It just feels feels right.
1: How do we focus on, and this is applying to all designers, not even just like the work at Opal, how do we focus on being timeless and or capturing this essence of longevity within a brand and the work that we do to make it feel like something, let's say... Well, I guess like what, what you had just said, something like that could exist any point in time and still be interesting and dynamic and versatile. Mm-hmm. So what what is the kind of c- conditions of creativity that we have to think I- about to create that kind of work that has legs that last for a long period of time?
0: Yeah, I well, it really depends if that's what you're trying to achieve. I don't think it's the goal of branding to always be like timeless, you know? Yeah. Like sometimes it's just to be, current and sometimes it's to be retro and sometimes it's to be something else like i don't think every company should aim for like could be placed in between apple and ibm and still be like yeah you know like i I don't know it's not it's not always the goal in my opinion um what i what i think what i always envision with opal is like can we have this like strict dry brand uh but then build experiences on top of it that are more like in tune with where we are culturally. So like, mm-hmm. let's keep the logo tight, of course. But if I'm going to make a website, it's not going to look like a poster, you know, from uh, Massimo Vignelli. It's going to be like, you know, Picasso. it's going to have to sort of 3D moments, like WebGL whatever, like it, you're building on top of it. So it doesn't always, you know, it's not it's not stale as a brand. It's just solid. It's mm-hmm. a solid foundation to build things on top. Now to answer your question, like how do we how do we get to that point? I mean, that's kind of like the million dollar question, right? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> you know, like uh like what is this soul bass, I think? No. Who's this famous designer who did the NSNBC logo and the next logo?
1: Oh gosh, I should uh, know. It's
0: Paul Rand, Jesus Christ. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Like Paul Rand, I think some I saw this interview, they were asking him, like, how do you make this timeless? And he's like I don't know, I just do things that I like, and <laughs> They're like, how did you know this was the right thing? It's like, I don't. He says something I love is like, there's no right or wrong. Like, if you get used to see it, then it becomes right. Like, of course, it's right, because you're used to see it, you know? Uh, OK, yeah, I know it's it's tricky. And yeah. Arguably, a lot of his logos look similar, but it doesn't matter. That's why you went for him, I guess, right? Like he has a certain style. Like there's no, you know, there's no, you cannot scratch this mountain to find some sort of like foundational stone that says you did it right. You know, there is no right or wrong. You just, you do something. And if you're lucky enough, people say it enough and be like, it's perfect.
1: Yeah. There, There really is no secret sauce. You said it earlier and I guess it's true. Isn't that weird?
0: Like I think we all as anybody learning anything, right? We all looking for like the the absolute truth. Mm-hmm. And I think it's it's weird in your life when you get to like, oh, there's no absolute truth. It's we're just making things. We're just making things.
1: I think the thing that I yeah. really resonated with in what you had just said was I'm maybe you we're putting uh words in Paul Rand's mouth, but he was making something that was cool or or personal to him, or is making work that that resonated with him. Exactly. And I think that is the essential thing that we have to do first. We have to make things that if we're super excited about, it should probably translate with receptivity in the world because as creative people, we have an eye for certain things. Right. If, if we can also tap into culture, that's like very much piggybacking on our work and pushing it forward. But then I think the other thing is like, I guess. We don't know until it's out in the world because we may have to adapt. We may have to change and pivot. And it, it really is, I guess, the other part of the job is like putting it out and seeing what happens. Mm-hmm. And That's the thing that I always, even though I do this, you know, day in, day out, it's like that's the part that I kind of forget. I'm like so focused on the craft. It's like, mm-hmm. let's see what happens when we put it out in the world and get that feedback loop and, and see if we need to do anything else.
0: Isn't, isn't it frustrating when you put something out? Let's say, I know you're you're talking about releasing, let's say a project or a brand, but like just with social media, where you put something that you're like, I'm so proud of this. This is, I worked on it. I think it's fantastic. You put it out and it gets almost no no feedback or no no, no not the response that you were expecting. And then other day you're like, oh, I just had this freaking video from like three years ago. I just put. who cares i don't think i posted it before sure just put it there and it's oh my god that's amazing you're like what the hell man i my compass is totally you know i
1: I think it may be the most maddening thing in the world when you're like so proud of something and then no one gives a shit (laughs) at least that's what it feels like but there's so many factors i guess it's like time of day what what was happening in the world? Did something blow up and that was way more attention grabbing than I don't know, your your design that you thought was cool and put out into the world. But yeah. there really is no rhyme and rhyme or reason. We can only we can only accommodate the factors that are in our control and then release it. And what I found is just like mm-hmm. you can just post the same damn thing like three months later. People will forget their attention span is like this small. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's interesting i i try not to repost, but you're right like a lot of it is like again well we're getting into another point of like social reward and like why do we do this and blah blah blah. but like oh yeah it sucks and then it's like yeah, you, you put something out and it suddenly blows up a little bit and you're like wow unbelievable yeah when when i when i have those moments i always well maybe this is my thing maybe glass reflection on this thing rotating maybe that's my thing but then you're like yeah no and try something else and and it doesn't work
1: i really liked what you said about the opal brand is if it has a very solid foundation and i believe i i don't want to put words in your mouth but it sounded like you were just looking at culture and how to adapt culture for your specific goals and needs with the creative work and i think mm-hmm. that that could apply to anything and maybe a good takeaway or lesson for people designing currently, how does one tap into culture at large and kind of adapt to that culture, but also not get caught up in, let's say, a specific trend? I guess we could be trendy for the sake of kind of having a hot and fast launch or or kind of piggybacking off of one moment in time. But Mm
0: -hmm.
1: how do you think about Capturing culture in a nutshell, and then adapting as it kind of changes.
0: I think we'll have to like, you know, maybe define culture a bit more. Like when we say we we're capturing culture, is that like we're like capturing the side guys, like we're mm-hmm. uh, we're somehow like it, it feels like the, the the next right thing. You know how how sometimes if you if you overthink it, if you kind of like get too much into your own like. A spiral you put something out and suddenly people are like wait what you know it doesn't have any relation to anything and sometimes the work just feels like the natural next step and mm-hmm. it's the right time and the right moment um i don't i don't really know i don't really have an answer i think there's a lot of you know i i digest culture in in many ways the honest truth is like i'm not I'm not partying in, you know, in Brick Lane in London. You're not going to find me like like I'm not going to be like clubbing in in, in L.A. or like I'm not I'm not experiencing culture as as I had in the past. Um, Now my culture is digested, is somehow processed by my own experience and, you know, the window of Internet, I guess. Um, But you still keep have you know, you still have these conversations, you still have access to people, and you get like perils, right? Like um things, you get like movements. Mm-hmm. So I'll tell you one thing that is, you know, for the past couple of years that is been happening is this notion of the the unbundling of, of devices, right? So like I think culturally we all have grown used to this and like almost tired of it. Like our relationship with our phones have become it's not so much about love anymore; it's dependency, and we know that the things that are not great about it. So, like culturally, I think we all have an incline right now to consider um, one-purpose devices. Mm-hmm. So, an MP three player that has better quality, a the rabbit um, tiny speaker that um, that you have like access to whatever ChatGPT or whatever. Try GPT or whatever. Um, I think that is something that is happening culturally. That is just one of many things, right? Um, so, for us, I would say like two things: if we are working on a product, is one thing, and if we're working on the promotion of a product, is another thing. Mm-hmm. If we're working on the promotion of a product, like branding or whatnot, maybe it's about acknowledging this reality and like, you know, what does that mean for like people and the ability of people to like understand a new brand. Are we, are we, is our narrative like counter to what's happening right now in the world? So are we like, hey, you live in a sea of sameness. Here's a new thing. Or, oh, you're tired of like, you know, um, like classic password thing. Like, it's a bit of a um, irony. You're like, oh, tired of like having a thousand passwords everywhere? Use our service to hold all your passwords. But you need one more password. <laughs> you know, it's so like, what, what's as a brand, like, how how could you make a difference and i I don't know to be honest with you i don't know many brands right now that are making any difference Mm. to me i think there are a lot of like well that's not fair to say this is all based on my my filter of reality um the honest truth is like there are many brands that are like you know under the radar and Mm. for a 40 year old man but you know maybe if i'm a college student maybe i'm using them all the time i just they're just living in that space right yeah um, so yeah i mean i can identify like macro trends i see them in my experience and when it comes to like um to 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 the existence of a product when it comes to like you know promoting a product it's it's a whole different thing it's uh, i think it's there's a lot of like i think there's a lot of formulas that work these days um, so I'll give you an example. Um, a few years ago, uh, a huge, we pitched Levi's.com and we lost the pitch and instrumented it and did a fantastic job on the website. Our pitch for Le- on, on Levi's was way too advanced for the time. That's the honest truth. Like I was excited, but they couldn't see it. It wasn't like, it wasn't. it was five steps ahead of them instead of one step. Um, so our proposal for Levi's was your site. You don't control the narrative of your brand. You don't control the, the content of your site. This is somehow going to be pure, socially like curated. So mm. be everything that's happening, harvesting in, in social networks about Levi's is going to live here. And we're going to use and leverage as much of that as possible, because you're not the owner of your brand anymore. You, you know, for the past 50 years, maybe you were at the beginning. Now, the only thing you can do is like steer the ship and, you know, show with the best light, which, you know, you can do. Yeah. Um, And then, you know, it was that combined with um, a lot of like AR and like being able to test your thing and customize jacket and make it right away. And we have the secondhand uh, market as well, because that's a big thing on like denim lovers. Anyway instrument did it i don't know their pitch but i know the first version of the website they put out it was just a better formatted leadwise.com. it looked beautiful great storytelling it felt like a medium article <laughs> and I felt, god damn it like it wasn't we could have done this but it wasn't just how i thought at the pitch should go i thought we should inspire them right uh, anyway all to say like three years five years later you can see some of that social content creeping in now. So they have like this thing that is always like playing videos of reviews or whatnot. So like, it's happening, it was just not the right time. So mm. in terms of culture, as in promoting a brand, um, our I think our, our head was in the right place, but culturally we maybe were way too uh, you know ahead of our time. Mm. For them to even acknowledge this was right for their brand, you know? Yeah. So it's hard. Like sometimes you you don't want to go on a pitch, like thinking, you know, I'm offering you something that could have been done five years ago,
1: but you know, maybe, I don't know. Exactly, yeah. No, that's a good point. That makes me think of like um, James Cameron in in Avatar where he had the script for years and waited on the advancement of the technology to be able to capture the vision of mm-hmm. of what he had for the film and like yes he could have made it when he finished the script and he had you know the backing of the studios but the if it came out that time i think it would have been like early 2000s yeah. then it wouldn't have had the same impact and I'll, I'll candidly say that's not a film that i love but the fact the technology was so cutting edge and advanced for that time period and now it's a technology that's used in many other films and even video games. I think that's the kind of interesting part of it is that holding on to an idea until it fits into the cultural zeitgeist or what's capable at the time mm-hmm. um, is, is an interesting thing to think about. To to piggyback on this,
0: like I heard recently two, well, one specific note and then another note from the past that it really resonated with me because the, we, there are certain things we take as a given. Like, of course, this. This happened but they were really revolutionary at the time so one being star wars right so like
2: mm-hmm.
0: star wars if you look at the context of the movies being done at the time it truly took a leap uh what do you call it like a massive leap ahead in terms of the representation of space and adventure like back then like if you see some of the behind the scenes like the, the music like, you know, Flash Gordon and all these shows used to have was like funky. Mm-hmm. So they were running and the music, and they were like, no, we're going to go classical music. And it was, even though it's obvious now, it wasn't done at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, another example, this one is the Beatles, right? So like the Beatles and bands around that time that introduced like electric guitars for the first time. Mm-hmm. Like that wasn't, if we were having this conversation before the Beatles, like it took a leap of faith to like oh what if we bring this sound so if we bring this this example now what is the one thing that hasn't happened mm. uh, that the moment it happened is going to be obvious
1: yeah you're you're putting something into the world that becomes part of culture and cult i guess like the world catches up to you and right. that's an interesting thing because you never know until you know it happens that you're doing something, and maybe it ties back to the fact that like if you do something from your unique perspective that just feels so natural to you, maybe it's other people are thinking it without knowing it.
0: Right. Yeah. Hundred percent. Like I think Rick Rubin is like creativity is in the air, right? Like mm-hmm. we just capturing ideas from it. Like sometimes it is in the air. It's true. Um, and by the way, like this could be big examples like Star Wars. So it could be like, you know, just the idea of parallaxing on a website, right? When that happened 10 years ago, it, obvious, it was obvious, but it hadn't happened before. So it became like, of course, that's a thing. Or like the layer background right on that sketch brought up that, you know, before it took a lot of work in Photoshop to even do it. Mm-hmm. It became like a, a staple when it comes to like, you know, uh, UI design and whatnot. Um, yeah, 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 it's, it's tough. I don't know. I don't think there's a formula. I think the people that that get to that point, like they just naturally have their journey and somehow you could look back at the journey and understand it made sense for them to get there. But like, I don't think they even know it. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So sometimes you you have to stop rationalizing things, I guess, and just do whatever you think is cool. <laughs> right.
1: right? I love it. I I think that's true. Do do whatever you think is cool. Tell me more. I'm trying to think like where we could go in the conversation. Uh I think this ties into everything that we have talked about. But uh, this is a quote from Milton Glaser, creativity is a journey, the ideas are the reward. And Mm. sometimes that's something that I struggle with, because I want, you know, the I want to feel satisfied within my work, but I also want the satisfaction of knowing that I did a really good job on the project. And Mm -hmm. it comes down to if this is our career and our job, and Mm -hmm. I want to have this career for longevity and not just kind of flame out in like a five year, I guess, like flash of glory, I have to think about the process and think about the ideas as kind of the carrot and generating these ideas in this, a bulk of work, even if a lot of it doesn't end up, well, a lot of it will end up on the cutting room floor and a lot of it won't end up in the world. So it's just like being happy and comfortable with the ideas in that process. Does that resonate with you, that quote? Yeah, somebody, uh, this managing director, I
0: work with a huge colleague, the the Shelfies, no, the, the Shelfies, uh like all the all the ideas that stay in the shelf um they never made it we sometimes we'll we'll celebrate what are the shelfies this month well we (laughs) thought this it would be cool but they (laughs) kind of don't like it it's okay uh for the shelfies um yeah i you know to me like there's a lot of it's easy to just like like keep churning work. And like, I think there's enough inspiration, sometimes almost too much that will allow you to like, just keep churning work that is decent, that, you know, clients are gonna be happy with, et cetera, et cetera. But there's always something special when when you're like really proud of the core idea and, and you can like buck it up. And regardless if it happens or not, I think those are the projects that years later, you look back and you're like, you know, this looks, you could say, I, I do things like this, like this looks old now, I get it, but the idea, like I still think that is a really good idea. Like maybe it goes beyond execution. It's, it's more like, I think the, the execution ine- inevitably, it responds to a moment in time. Yeah. But the idea is is what hopefully
1: should transcend time, right? Um. I think more more and more people need to focus on the concept and the idea and translating that idea into something that's unique i think mm-hmm. there's a lot of designers that are just focusing on the aesthetic and focusing on maybe like what what is cool right now and and like the trendiness of certain design styles and tactics and a lot of that's mm-hmm. showing up with a kind of like web3 aesthetic if you will and like that's that's fine for like if like you're super into that right now and that's what you want to do. But ultimately, if you're designing something for the intention of a client and they need to stand out, they have tangible goals. Often it's like a magical idea that will stand out more than just the aesthetic. And it's like when you have the harmonious balance of all of the pieces, is really when something mm-hmm. kind of shines and cuts through the noise.
0: Right. Isn't that I think there's some parallel path to the evolution of a designer mm. and and the evolution that you're talking about, because, you know, as a, as a designer, you, you know, you need to master the craft and maybe mastering the craft first comes through the trends and the web three aesthetic right now, but you know, what used to be two years ago, something else. And like the moment you get to that point, let's say you join an agency, you work with a creative director, the creative director is the person that is like, this is cool. Your execution is cool, but let's let's take a beat and think about the idea, right? So eventually, that designer, uh, you know, they will get to the point where they're like, okay, I think I'm, I'm. Design is, I think I understand the principles of it. I could always get better, of course, uh, but now I want to think more of the idea. Therefore, you elevate yourself mentally to a different a different role. So it's almost like, you know. As an individual, you need to go through that journey and eventually appreciate everything and have a good balance. But if you don't, hopefully you're working with people that counterbalance you. Yeah. To to get the best of you as a either craft person or idea person, right? Um, yeah. How? Tell me a like in your studio. Like, how many people are you guys and like? Um, do you uh, the teams on a project maybe like? how big or small are the teams
1: flexes for the individual client. so the core makeup is just uh, a couple of people myself and our developer and then we kind of expand when there's necessary needs so that would bring in a lot of brand and freelancers that just we continuously work with on and off but um also like 3d capabilities that we bring on designers for that and so the team is always changing and expanding. And I think that's a good thing. But when thinking of ideas and that, that's kind of the craft it, sometimes I flex between the two, cause I get very caught up in like the specific nuances of the details and sometimes I forget about <laughs> like the core idea and I'm just so focused on like the making of yeah. the thing and then yeah. it's just like, Oh, okay. So that idea phase that really needs to come first. And that's what we try to do, do in our processes. When we're doing strategy, we're also mm-hmm. focusing on what is the carrot? What is the unique perspective? What is the idea that we can build this all around? And it can be as simple or as expansive as the project needs. So like, it could be as simple as we want this to make, make this feel like music, so it feels dusty like an old record. Or mm-hmm. it could be like, we're patching something up and we need to think of a visual metaphor for kind of closing gaps and fixing things how do we patch like how do we create like a list of ideas for that one thing and -hmm. we'll build the copy or the site around like that visual metaphor or idea so I feel like once we get that down on paper, then it's just like execution, execution, execution. So maybe it's like designing the process so you don't miss a course step, but sometimes you got to flip flop or go back and forth in order to make it like a seamless, beautiful project at the end. Yeah,
0: I think I think people, what, I, what I've what i experienced in my life is like people gravitate to metaphors always mm-hmm. and stories. Uh, you know, design is cool, but mostly it's for designers. So like when I, when I am presenting, you know, it, when I'm presenting a, a set of concepts, I I always have a bit of a, the origin story and it comes a bit too much through as a admin kind of like technique, but I, I do enjoy it. And I think it gives it like context. And sometimes by explaining the core, then you show the execution. And if the execution is not quite right, if the core is right, you can refund the core with, you know, the client or your stakeholder. And like, get to a better place. But um, if you just go with like, yeah, cool design, this one is blue, this one is gray, and this one is gonna like noir. Like, you know, it just doesn't, you're just having the wrong conversation.
1: Um, I think so, yeah. Yeah, yeah,
0: it's tough. How, what, what are your plans for 2024? Your goals as a studio?
1: Goals as a studio, I think is, well, we touched about like finances, I think just mm-hmm. get back fully on track, get some, get a lot of savings in the bank. But obviously that comes with having, um, a steady, consistent flow of clients. So again, trying to diversify income and this will, we'll touch on what we talked about earlier, where everyone's a teacher now, but uh, I'll finish the question first. Oh no. (laughs) So focusing on that but also focusing on community and also kind of general brand building. So showing up more in the community. I'm not trying to be like a thought leader or anything of that nature. Literally, I started this podcast to share information, to open up conversations that I was happening normally and share those with others so that they could get value. So I want to kind of know everyone because i love having these conversations and i just want to learn and continue to grow naturally and hopefully people can grow by a a result of listening to this so that's another bright product but we also have a, a steady stream of releases that will be coming out that we're really excited about and i think that that'll generate some momentum which i think is difficult when you're in an agency model and there's gaps in the business and you just don't know when things are releasing and then there's slowdowns, and so the steady stream of getting things out can be a little bit tricky so you have to get clever about are you creating work are you doing like pet projects how are you showing up online because Mm -hmm. it is very easy to fall from someone's attention Mm -hmm. and i think like you using social media to stay on top of mind is really crucial now and it's just being clever and doing it in a unique way that's very authentic opposed to just like i guess like making things for the sake of making things maybe having a care and a yeah. love and a passion behind it an idea maybe behind it
0: yeah it's a it's that's a good point like I've, I've been writing for the past maybe like two months a list of like studios to watch mm. and it's a massive list already like there's <laughs> a <laughs> there's a lot of them i think they you know the 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 aftermath of of covid and like the return to office and all this like there there are a lot of oh, i've never seen in my life so many like and this is not your case but somebody like two three people like studios that mm-hmm. they did great work together in an agency and now they're doing their own thing and Mm-hmm. some of them take the the path of the collective as in like we're just an umbrella for individuals mm-hmm. some of them are like no we're not we're a box and you hire us and then we we do this um but there there are a lot of them and yeah how do they how do they stay top of mind like it's not always with projects you never know when a project's gonna go out depends mm-hmm. on your involvement in the project but i i just learned today a project that i worked on for Rio games just got killed as part of the new reorg. So like three mm. years later, that thing is dead now. Um, if I was depending on that for my PR, like, oh, yeah, no, be a disaster. Um Yeah, it's tough, but uh, definitely a lot of noise. And to your point of
1: like, everybody is a teacher. Yeah. You Is that something uh, you guys are thinking about? Well, so we we I made a course with awards and that nice. is out and if, is if, it a or Domestica? It's it's on awards. They awards reached out, I think this like, was two years ago, and I made that. It's called The Secret Sauce, which maybe if I was <laughs> maybe if it was today, I wouldn't call it that. Maybe I would call it that uh it's all about the creative journey and the ideas <laughs> of the rewards, and being a creative is hard, and, and you just have to feel it out, man. Uh, but I think you, you learn and you grow. And the whole point of that course was kind of like fundamental ideas that don't change in branding and kind of focusing on strategy and like the idea creation and art direction, how they all kind of tie together. Um, I think that, I think people should focus more on building authentic communities Mm -hmm. and trying to do their best to help others without being quote unquote salesy. I don't think you need to ask for money all the time for in in the aspect of trying to get something from people. I think you can share and be authentic. And hopefully people will love that so much that they would want to compensate you in the end. Mm -hmm. Um, But that could be a long nurturing process. And I think a lot of people aren't in things for the long game. Mm -hmm. And I imagine that this podcast will be a very slow grind and I'm okay with that because I'm doing it for the, the sake of the conversations. And yeah. I think more people should have a mindset of that kind of longevity opposed to like the quick rich. Cause I think that is just a made up thing. I think you got to put the grind in. Yeah. Yeah. And you're doing the work. Like
0: uh, I, I do admire, as I said at the beginning, like you're, if anything, you're getting to know a lot of like, perspectives and a lot of people that you know different walks of life but somehow a similar destination um so yeah it's
1: uh i'm sure it's gonna pay off in one way or another (laughs) (laughs) yeah definitely i'm curious where you think designers should place their energies or i guess what should designers think about for their career over 2024 and maybe even the future, what are some essential skills, some methods, some techniques, some approaches, some ideas that I guess designers, creatives need to think about in order to kind of adapt to the radical change of technology and I guess just tools and things that are on the market.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think that, you know, for the past, like I'm gonna say five, six years, I've been, every time I answer this question, I always say, learn 3D. Mm. Like, learn 3D, stop stop being so precious about your, you know, your Figma or your sketch or whatever. Just step into all the territories. I feel since then, there are a bunch of designers right now that are like more full stack, I guess. Um, the world has changed, though, in the past year. I think if if you were starting the journey right now, I will still do the taxing things of learning the fundamentals and that doesn't mean going to a you know design school for five years there are many ways Mm -hmm. to do it um but i I think there's still like you know truths to to what we do that are like that don't change you know Mm -hmm. composition typography all those things they're they're just there um i would definitely say still 3d i think 3d is a little bit like this money pit for companies where you know they they invest on VR and for a hot second we're like oh my god VR, uh, it's gonna be great you know and then you try and you're like oh I'm so hot I, don't um, I think it's having an Apple moment and oh my god if 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 Apple cannot do it nobody can mm. so with Vision Pro and all this I'm I'm hoping you know the next few years like it's gonna become more and more um, mainstream to think in in terms of 3D for interfaces and natural interfaces, as opposed to an app or something that lives on a screen. Um, so that's that's a big thing. And then probably the, the last bit is like, all this like AI and generative design. I I think I said this in when I sent you that blurb, like I, I find, I mean, part of it is inevitable. So mm-hmm. I think, we should embrace it just like we embrace everything else like we should know the tools and we should be part of the journey and use them to our disposal like you know it's it's a great way to brainstorm ideas for a Photoshop, for example
2: mm-hmm.
0: uh, but I, I i also think like so i guess my, my my advice to somebody starting today would be like you know be aware and like use them but i it wouldn't be at the expense of again, the fundamentals of like the craft or the understanding of user experience and all that. I think it's just yet another new tool, you know? Um, It makes me really sad. Overall, like it's a tool that makes me really sad Um, because, you know, I'm looking at the poster you have in the background, like I look at it and I'm like, what a beautiful illustration, you know? And like the depth of it, and like just the, the really small number of colors, like it's just gorgeous. If you told me that was done with me journey I'll probably be like
1: okay you know <laughs> That's exactly what my reaction would be too. Uh this is from uh 59 parks a shout out to that organization.
0: Nice. Nice. Yeah, it's like oh like the
1: the 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 wave it's it's
0: gorgeous. Just gorgeous. But I think what's gorgeous is imagine the 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 handicraft you know of of putting that together and when you take that out like just, it's just sad. Yeah. But yeah, man, like, sorry, Answer short answer. Being aware of all the tools, of course, keep your fundamentals solid and, like, you know, get ready for hopefully spatial and natural, you know, interfaces. I don't know if that's going to crash yet again. You know, it hasn't taken off, but at the same time, it has in, in some ways, right? Like, I think maybe the Vision Pro reality is too far mm. to even be a thing, but, you know, the Probably the the Raven glasses in a couple of years we we'll have some sort of minimal you know interface, something really small like I think it's going to start creeping in that's yeah my, and you know design is not always designing an interface sometimes it's selling an idea mm-hmm. so like, I think that's that's now. So yeah be more aware of that.
1: I think that is true with the the creative mindset. Creativity Mm -hmm. applies to everything and anything, really. You Mm -hmm. can be creative in business, you can be creative as a painter, you can be creative as a parent, even. Um, So I think the fact that like the best idea kind of wins, focusing on ideas, that is something that will never go out of style. And it's always been a factor in creative work. And that's something that I have been trying to cultivate more and share and also just like focusing on the fundamentals of craft. And that's something that I feel like I will always be trying to strive for and learn and get better at never really goes out of style to work on just like typography because that's always going to be a thing.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. But at at the same time, though, like, you know, uh, you were talking about the Web3 style. Mm. So, you know, the goal is to have a fulfilled life and a fulfilled career. in the umbrella of the Web3 style, probably a lot of like small studios have grown and, you know, become a thing because of that style. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's a mix like, yes, for the fundamentals. But like like Collins is a great example of this solid fundamentals. But every project is a banger because yeah. it's culturally there. Pentagram, same thing. Um, so it, it's a mix of both. It's like we cannot disregard what I'm saying Web3 because you mentioned this before, but I Mm -hmm. I imagine it's glowy, purple, you know, some nonsense uh, there. Um, It's it's now or it's, you know, maybe six months ago, one year ago. (laughs) But uh, yeah, like we we can, you know, if, if we can apply like Pentagram does this really well, right? Like solid fundamentals, but they always find something culturally and they advance it a little bit. Mm-hmm. like everything they do is just a perf- and this is not a critique i mean i'm nobody to critique pentagram but like i feel like one impression or interpretation of some of the work is that it's just one step ahead of what's here but it's 20 steps it's just it just feels right you see it or you're like oh my god you guys just took this you know generative kind of like pebble thing and just took it two notches ahead and now it looks freaking fresh and brand new Great job! So, uh, I'm, I'm I'm so tired. A lot of talk. I, I wore I, out
1: audio. I do enjoy it, but uh, my stamina is uh, it's uh, coming down. I'm being honest. No, that's that's okay. I mean, as we're winding down here and yeah. as we're getting to the end of our time, I like to pivot to some fun, fast questions. Oh. they don't have to be answered fast. I just like to call them that. But what is one book, movie, or album that has changed you as a person? Wow. Wow. Wow.
0: Wow. 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 Um I'm gonna have to think about this one. Yeah, this is not a fast question.
1: Well, well, quickly, as you're thinking about it, what is your go-to drink of choice? It doesn't have to be alcohol. Water. Nice. <laughs> I, uh no, I, you know, I I
0: I drink socially. Like if, if I have to drink, I, I drink and I enjoy it, but, uh, I not like, I don't crave it. And I, it's such a, I don't think I, I have mature as an adult. Like I don't have my, I don't, I don't do like, you know, whiskey on the rocks in my chair at home, you know, <laughs> never go there. I'm, I'm a water person. I'm from Spain. I should sure like wine. I don't like wine. Um, if I, if I have to drink uh you know, alcohol or something, I will get a, been doing this for the past few years. Uh, it's a Spanish thing. It's called a sweet vermouth, but it basically in Spain or Italy, you eat it before a meal and mm. it increases your appetite. And um, yeah, you know, it's a sunny day. You're sitting in a, in, in a terrace, in a bar, whatever, and you have your sweet vermouth there about to have lunch.
1: It just feels great. <laughs> yeah. That sounds like a dream. With the weather that I have right now, I would love to be in sunny Spain with some sweet vermouth. Oh, no. A lot of snow? We had snow for a couple of days, and then it all changed to rain, but it's been, like, raining for three days. So it's just depressing. I'm looking at the sunshine coming through your windows. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, I'm sorry. It's all right. <laughs> it's okay. All right. One more. One more. Tell me. Uh, well, do you have an answer for the book, movie, or album, or do you want to go to something? Somebody-
0: yeah, I, I don't have. There's no pivotal moment, I would say, to me in terms of like, I mean, you know, there. It's almost like embarrassing. There are like certain things, like a friend of mine. This is not my. This is not my story, but a friend of mine speaks about the first time he listened to this heavy metal band called Iron Maiden. Oh and- yeah this guy was coming from like 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 east coast rap back then and when he listens to i think the song was the trooper like then he he talks about it like something exploded in his mind you know it's like something suddenly blew up and i was like what is this um i don't have a moment like that in terms of music um you know i as a kid like i a lot of my upbringing was like reading manga and like mm. japanese comics um so like you know dragon Ball c was was a big part of my childhood and like reading but draw and drawing and watching it and just it, it helped me a lot just develop some sort of a skill set mm-hmm. um, but you know it's like a dumb story i wouldn't say it's like a, oh my god like you changed me as a man yeah it's all right it's just the moment in time
1: yeah what about anime in particular did you find captivating um well the the thing about anime is that before
0: you know anime came to be i would say in europe the cartoons were pretty um they were for for children mm. like there was this infantilized ideal of a cartoon and anime i think just brought another dimension It suddenly brought like bigger mature stories to audiences and as a kid you know all this content came to me unfiltered. and now you're mm-hmm. you know you're going through this struggle these people against this bad person and like they have to fight back or a love story right like there was no death in love stories before anime in my mm-hmm. experience at least and suddenly you have this story that is like like i don't know like a love triangle whatever it was i don't know um, or I mean, think about Evangelion, right? Evangelion, like they were, or Akira, there was no Disney. didn't have that death. Mm-mm. And you're like, oh my goodness, this is technically gorgeous. And then the story, you, you know, I don't know anyone that watched Akira when they were like eight years old, and understood the plot, you know, what is this about? I don't know, but there's <laughs> something here, right? Um, so yeah like you know akira probably is one of those that really changed me because mm. it i think it just changed society really
1: um yeah beautiful yeah. beautiful piece for sure to this day yeah yeah
0: yeah yeah. i mean you know you have with anime there's like different tiers of like budget depending on is it a feature film is it like uh one of these like you know one piece of dragon ball z or naruto yeah. like is it like 200 episodes um but the 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 iconic kind of like pieces from the 90s like they're still pretty pretty damn good to this point
1: oh agreed yeah
0: Did you do you watch any anime is this something you you did as a kid or you continue yeah
1: i i watched a lot of anime as a kid i don't i don't watch a ton now i was rewatching cowboy bebop mm. but i didn't i didn't make it all the way through not just because i'm always distracted and uh tend to kind of focus on things off the screen at nighttime, like reading, et cetera. But yeah. I think that, again, that's from the 90s. But uh, Cowboy Bebop, I think, is amazing. Um, I really liked Yu Yu Hakusho uh, oh, wow. as a kid. That was a really good one. Acura is really great. Even Jellion's really good. Mm-hmm. But um, I think it's just like the stories are really captivating. The action mm-hmm. is really cool. I thought like gundam wing as when i was a kid i thought was like the most amazing thing ever i wanted to like pilot a robot and i was like i should go in the military by the time i'm old enough there'll be robots no but
0: <laughs> I get <them> different forms <laughs> talking recently you know in this in this period of like let's get out of my bubble a little bit i was talking to uh the one of my 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 kid's friends uh older older sibling and this is like a 17 year old person i'm like oh, you watch anime, and I ask, what do you watch? And they're like, oh, I just finished um, uh, Demon Slayer and Psyche. So Psyche is, a, is an anime that if if you can, it's kind of like a fun anime to watch, right. especially with kids. Uh, but then I tried this Demon Slayer and I couldn't watch it. I, I watched like five episodes in the background at night and I was like, I, I'm not the right age for this anymore. I think <laughs> this, is, this is meant for, so much younger, like I, the whining and like the oh, I cannot do this. I was like, this is not for me. I cannot do this anymore. I don't my time, you know. Um, so, yeah, I'm with you. Like, I, you know, now I'm watching uh, One Piece with my kids. Mm. So, we're like episode 96. Jesus Christ. Um, well,
1: you got like 1400 more to go. <laughs>
0: exactly. No, every night we, you know, it's like after dinner, if no need for shower sure or anything, like we. We watch a couple of episodes and yeah it's fun it's fun like it's fun to to live the to live it through them i would say Mm. um but i wouldn't you know i wouldn't stop my life now to watch one piece of course (laughs) people love it like it's it's like
1: yeah i i'm not a one piece guy myself i haven't take taken the plunge
0: no no i i mean either right like to me like i saw it but i skipped it and suddenly it's like oh my god this thing has been on going on for many years but now I was like, oh, you know, pirates, boats. Yeah. Well, let's give it a shot. And they enjoy it. So it's, it's fun to, to live it through them, I guess. Beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Last what question? about you? Tell me. Oh, sorry. I was going to ask you no, about no. your book. Oh, oh what well, books? No. Oh. What, what is your, your answer to the question?
1: Oh, my gosh. So it's funny. I, I had mentioned when I answered this question a few weeks ago, it was Iron Maiden as an example. Like, uh-huh. The, I saw them, it was my second concert. I saw them live. It was when I was graduating eighth grade. It oh. was the album where the, Eddie the zombie is on the tank. I forget what it's called. Mm. Um, but to answer this question, so let me think of a fresh answer. Because usually I I go, usually I go with music. So maybe I'll try to think of a film that changed me. I would say film or hmm. Okay, so this can tie into anime and we'll keep it in this world because my grandmother was the first person that introduced me to Miyazaki. And the first two films that she gave me to watch were Spirited Away, and Princess Mononoke and I felt that the action sequences in Princess Mononoke were absolutely stunning but it also had this beautiful storytelling aspect to it and it showed me that there could be kind of tying in because this was before I saw like Akira and all that it showed that there could be darker stories and more life lessons than mm-hmm. just like the the bubblegum stuff that was on like Tsunami or Mm -hmm. like even adult swim it it had depth it had this core concept and now Mm -hmm. i can see like that is very much a a fundamental built-in through line of all of miyazaki's films but Mm -hmm. i think it really showed that there could be more and it got me really interested in the aspect of like filmmaking and like the hero's journey and that's something Mm -hmm. that i think about within Any kind of work that I'm doing is like, what's the story? Who are the characters? I frame things with product design in particular is like, what is the villain we're fighting? How -hmm. does the hero conquer that villain? How do we use that kind of marketing speak to try to showcase a story that is kind of going through the process of Joseph Campbell's hero's journey and kind of pushing the user into the perspective of being that hero, being pushed to the product to solve their kind of guiding problems and then ultimately they have to come to their decision to, uh, on their own. But I think that kind of sparks something in the storytelling aspect. And mm-hmm. I try to bring that into a lot of the world building and brand building that I do currently. So I'd say that is one that fundamentally did change me and how I think.
0: Yeah. And now to, to add to this, the, the soundtrack of Princess Mononoke, it's gorgeous. Mm. is it's one of the best, like, you know, you have like, all this like chipish kind of like tunes in anime and suddenly like um he always Miyaseki always works with the same um like composer is mm. Joey hashi and every every movie is like the soundtrack it just hits you right and i i do still of all the movies i do still remember the the princess Mononoke soundtrack it was really good
2: mm.
1: well i think that's the thing is like there's so many other elements that Can evoke the emotion it's not just visual we really do need to Mm -hmm. try to think of work that touches on a multi-sensory scale because they trigger different bits of nostalgia for different Mm -hmm. people so like i'm sure that if you're if you smell a certain particular flavor group or profile it sends you right back to spain i'm sure tasting certain wines bring you back to different Mm -hmm. periods of your life or uh, it can be the same thing with sounds. And I think that if we can trigger certain cues and trigger on touches of nostalgia, then mm-hmm. it just like kind of bolsters and emboldens our work and makes it even more powerful.
0: Yeah. Uh, you probably have seen the the show Mad Men. Mm-hmm. The classic carousel presentation of the nostalgia. It was like, he's showing photos of his life. Just beautiful. Yeah, I agree. There's, it's always like, take a step back to go like, hundred steps forward mm-hmm yeah like you cannot just go forward if you don't acknowledge and maybe bring an anchor from the past that people can relate to um i don't know if you've been following like the whole debate but like you know the the rabbit ai right now like this device came up uh, designed by teenage engineering but it's its own company and they sold like sixty thousand devices in like two weeks or something is they've done incredible um and essentially, it's not that different from the product that Humane uh, mm. has been working on, this pain as well that you have access to ChatGPT and all this. And one of them is getting a lot of criticism and the other one is not. And I, I tend to think that it's almost like one had to come before just to to create the, the awareness. So the second one could be successful. Mm-hmm. And it's just a shame that it's a different company. It should have been the same company getting the critique, but then getting the reward. Uh, but I do feel like if the successful one, this Rabbit R one, will have come first, probably will have, you know, gotten a lot of critique that um, this other company has gotten. I don't know what this means in terms of sales or anything, but it's it's interesting that this the discourse around each company and how it's been how they're being portrayed, you know, by outlets and and people on on, on social and all that
1: it definitely is interesting sometimes it's it can be a blessing or a curse to be first i don't know in in terms of like brand and
0: design how i don't know if there's a brand so hated what what would you say is a brand that is deeply hated by uh by by customers or by by the community
1: oh uh, i think like any internet provider like everyone hates mm-hmm. all uh, like their service providers like yeah everyone hates verizon everyone hates comcast that's a yeah. reason an industry that like we can always find ways to bitch and moan yeah airlines too yeah
0: like i was there was a commercial this other day like oh united now all flights have a monitor in the back and i'm like god damn it united like you have deeper problems than monitors in the back it's just so bad but it is yeah it's it's not quite the same example, though. But yeah,
1: yeah, I mean, like for the humane versus rabbit, I think you're right, we're just like people had to like, see it miss not understand it, hate it. And then another thing was able to kind to of hit it. Yeah. And and I don't know if anything necessarily changed. Maybe it was their marketing, maybe it was the perception that the brand is putting out humane has a different vibe than rabbit rabbit feels younger. And it feels like it's for like a certain demographic of people. Like, I don't know how I use that in my day to day life. And I don't think I'm the target, but <laughs> like, cause I don't use like Chat GPT, like to answer questions, like in general, but. Yeah.
0: Oh, that actually, a question for you though. So, like, what, what, what tools have you integrated in your, in your toolkit this past few years that this past few, this past year that you didn't have before?
1: I'm in talks with like some companies for AI podcast editing. Oh, wow. And I think that could be interesting. Mm -hmm. But the thing is like, I kind of like slicing and dicing it up. And like, I almost need to like train it specifically. Like I could do this with a human. I would just film on loom or some screen recording tool and just like, literally annotate everything and why I'm doing it and then Mm -hmm. I could teach a human how to think the way I'm thinking. Maybe I could do that the same way with like an AI but like it has to have the personality and the snap and it's Mm -hmm. never going to make like music choices the way that I make them and maybe that could be like try to teach it but I think it's like you need the human touch but like in terms of like something that could like cut up timelines and like shrink things and cut out ums and ahs Beautiful. That's great. That's a perfect tool to integrate. It saves time. It's not, like, work that I want to do. I think anything like that that doesn't refine, well, that doesn't, like, take away from the craft is, like, I really like. Basically,
0: I I agree with you. Like, anything that takes away the busy work. Mm -hmm. Busy work is not good. Like, Mm -hmm. and arms, like, that. no human should be thinking about and scanning this video looking for that. Uh, but anything that just to I'm kind of like rephrasing what you said, like anything that leans on your creative perspective doesn't have to be replaced. I mean, what's the point?
1: Yeah, you know, exactly.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Haven't, I I mean, this past year, I would say like GPT I would say has become like a destination that I didn't have before. Um, and it's, it's not so much, I think it's not so much a replacement of Google, it's just a different service that i didn't know it existed before you know mm-hmm. like it's i'm not going to like uh, give me a list of um, restaurants around me to chat gpt it's more like specific questions right like yeah yeah i think probably like the you know how uh like your deepest secrets now exist in the in the list of chats with chat gpt like the the dumb questions you didn't think of asking
2: mm-hmm. now yeah.
0: Uh, and th- those are things that you cannot, I mean, you could search for them in Google, I guess, but mm-hmm. it's a different thing. It, it's not so much a replacement for me, in a, in a weird way. It,
1: it like it, the summary aspect, I think, is nice. If you wanted like mm-hmm. more specific thing, like um, just to like churn through, and you're not clicking on multiple different web pages or browsers, but I think that aspect it can be helpful. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, like, yeah, you can ask it to do certain things. I'm sure it's like more helpful like for a developer if they're just looking for a single result instead of going on like different forums or looking for one specific thing. Like in in my day-to-day life, I don't find that I use it too much. Maybe there's more ways that I can incorporate it that I haven't tried.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, what was the what was the uh, next question?
1: Last last question? Is what is something outside of the world of design that you are really into right now? That is a great question, um, and this is a, this is a no answer
0: so far. Uh, I guess a couple of things. So I am. I don't know. If this is an age thing, but every year I'm trying to invest time out of out of you know. My, the problem with design in my in my experience is that it started as a hobby mm. and became a job. So the problem here is that you could still to this day, have it as a hobby and as a job. And that is a bad place to be because, you know, it's a lot of uh, a, lot of this, a lot of computer, a lot of doing mm-hmm. the same thing. And I've done that for many years and only in the past few years, I'm like starting to like understand that this is something I do enjoy and I do it still as a hobby, mm-hmm. but I'm trying to branch out as much as I can. Um, which is i'm not i'm not branch out completely but i'll tell you so um we we'll have two kids so somebody said i don't have hobbies i have kids so that was a, <laughs> that's a big time sucker Or investment. um i am in the process of learning how to play that thing nice so that music in general has been a thing that i've been always curious but i never really invested time mm. uh, I'm not good at it, but, you know, I I also have gotten to a realization that the only thing I need is time. So if you do something every day a little bit, eventually you're going to get better at it. And once you understand that, there's no frustration. You just, Mm -hmm. every day you do it a little bit. Um, I would say working on my own um, uh, health, I never Mm. paid much attention to it. For the past year or so, like I've gone a bit more like, crazy in the, just, you know, doing the strength exercises and whatnot. Um, so I'm like year and a half in this journey and so far, you know, feel much better and feel healthy and all that's great. And the last thing is a project for this year. I don't know if this is going to work out, but, um, I'm going to start studying to get this license for, um, uh, how do say it? this is a Spanish then, uh, basically to, be able to drive this boat of a certain size
1: oh nice
0: yeah i think in in the us as far as i've researched you actually don't need any license
1: um, uh, what, what size of the boat so there are
0: two type tit- i call it titles that i i'm interested in one is up to uh,
1: 15 meters long what is that in feet so 15 meters so that would be 15 times three like right Because a meter is three feet?
0: It's like a more or less kind of thing. Yeah, yeah.
1: like like forty five foot kind of boat. So forty
0: nine. So one license is up to forty nine. And the other one I might start is like up to like twenty seven feet. Nice. Um, So, you know, it's silly. It's not like my family, uh, my stepdad, um, he used to fix boats. Mm. So I grew up with, you know, with him, like fixing always a boat. And then they will like get rid of it and then he will start fixing another one. So it's being a latent part of my life that I I really enjoy, but I never like you know, he had all these licenses. He can he can drive like massive boats. Um, but I never really put the time on it. So I'm like, what if I just study this book, take this freaking couple of tests and like give it a shot, you know, just for fun.
1: Hell yeah. 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 Boats are very fun.
0: Yeah, you know, without, I don't have any aspirations of like crossing the the Atlantic Ocean or (laughs) anything, which people sometimes do. Like, it's more like recreational, like, Mm -hmm. just, just, yeah,
1: you know, mess around. Yeah. How about yourself? Outside of design, so I am going to sign up for this pottery class.
2: Yeah.
1: So that'll be starting in March. So I'm going to do that. I It's something I've wanted to do for a while, and I I get busy and I forget to do things for myself. I know. <laughs> I know. No, that's that's what it is, yeah. And so that's what I'm trying to change in 2024, is just do more things off the screen for myself and get out of the house. So I'm going to do that because I'm really into physical craft. So I want to like make these beautiful like high-walled uh, bowls, like plate bowls, like salad bowls, I guess. Uh, that's what I really would like to try and make, but the process itself, I think, spinning the wheel, getting messy, and like just throwing clay, I think that that sounds like super fun to me. Playing with like glazes to change colors, opposed to just like using the eyedropper tool, sounds like pretty exciting. <laughs> no control C. <Z. laughs> yeah, exactly. I can't fix it. It's in the kiln. It's fired. There's nothing <laughs> I can
0: do. That's awesome. Yeah, like no. it's. You know, I saw recently this photo. I think, you know, all hands that you go back in your hard drive and look for photos. And it was basically my setup, but like 15 years ago. Mm. And I'm looking at like this CRT display, like this HP laptop. And I had like some food on the left. And I saw it and I was like, oh my God, this is a lifetime. Sitting down in front of some sort of like screen setup with food i'm eating you know, they, they, how sad is that and it, it, it made me sad i gotta be honest it made me sad it made me like whew, like we gotta yeah we gotta look for hobbies here
1: well it, i i had that realization too i'm just like damn i need to like go on walks with other people besides myself like i need to like yeah yeah yeah, like, yeah. i need an office or something or a co-working space i need to like be around more people
0: i i have a i I know this guy um who recently got into playing pinball and but i didn't know he's telling me about this i'm like this is crazy there's there's a whole like fan base of pinball and there's like a a global chart of like ranking of pinball players and you know a license board and it it's a whole world and he said something that I was like, "Wow, this is amazing. It's like, you know, there's no other way in which I could have, I could have met or become friends with this guy and he's a mailman. Mm -hmm. You're totally right. Like what is, what Mm -hmm. is the third space where it's not about your work? It's not about, you know, uh, your house, your family, where you can be appreciated. And yeah, you have a developer and his best friend now is a mailman. And, and that's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I think hobbies are a very easy way to bring people together with a shared interest. So you'd never meet them otherwise.
0: Right. Uh, Yeah, not pinball, man. It's (laughs) I I was you know, you never take that one. I never took that seriously, but there's a massive pinball community. I I didn't even think about it's a thing. And I, I imagine just like with every other niche, right? It's always like this, this buckets of people that are really into this one thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like subcultures, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. That sounds healthy. I'm happy for you.
1: (laughs) Thank you. I appreciate it. Well, I guess we are winding down. We're coming to a close. Claudio, is there any last words that you would like to share with the audience? Any wise words, any products that you want to promote? And uh, anything at all?
0: No promotion.
1: I mean, OPPO camera,
0: give it a shot. It's great. We work pretty hard on it. Um, Works of wisdom, I guess. Um, no, no, nothing groundbreaking. Hopefully if someone was able to go through, you know, the the, the long podcast, they, they will get their own conclusions. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I will say, you know, we're in a journey together,
1: everybody. So let's just have fun. We're all on a journey. We're all legendary and we have an amazing story of our own. So on that journey, take the time to be kind, to grind and unwind. Do something off the screen for yourself and let's make the world a better and more creative place to live. Claudio, legend, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Preeto. Thank you so much.